This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success podcast. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and those of you that know me uh, know that I'm a huge Cardinal fan, so I am fired up today. We've got world champion Brad Thompson here with us today. Brad, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I thought Jim Edmonds was behind me or something. No, That's what no. I was thinking. He, he's in the future. He's right, coming good. up. Good, he's good, good. Up. We got to start with those pitchers, you know, that's that right. do all the work. That's so. right. He, yeah, he's the one that saved my butt. We might, we might as well start with the pitch, right? Exactly. So speaking of that, was were you the one pitching when he made the catch? No. Well, he's made many of those catches, but the one I know the one you're talking yeah. about already. That was Izzy pitching. Okay. Jason Isringhausen yeah. on the bump saved him. That was one of the most incredible oh. catches ever, man. He was uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. You know, it, it is amazing when you play the game and uh, there's a 25 man roster in the big leagues, right? And you're all on the same team. You're not all on the same level. Like Jimmy was just next level stuff. I mean, it was crazy what he did. He's a great guy, great guy. Well, I'm glad you're here with us today, man. And I know you got a lot to share on the circuit of success. And and so just if you would take our listeners back to what made Brad Thompson the man he is today and got him to the big leagues at the highest level possible. Well, I would say uh, first thing is just uh, just love, man. I I, uh, I had a love for baseball at a young age. I just really. I really enjoyed playing and from five years old until about uh, four years ago, baseball was my life, you know, played through Little League, although I did try to quit once in Little League. I, I tried uh, and the coach said, come back one more day if you have fun. And thank God for him because yeah. I came back and I, and I had some fun with it. But uh, really just uh, what got me to where I am today, obviously I played in the big leagues for the Cardinals, played in the big leagues for the Royals, bounced around, played all over the place. Uh, and now I work for ESPN Radio. I do some stuff for Fox Sports Midwest. I've been really blessed in my life just to have these opportunities. But it all started with just an, an enjoyment to do something. Uh, I, I tell people all the time when I get an opportunity to talk to kids or, or if I'm just doing lessons, Brett, not, never one time, not on a Little League team, not with like the little kid Mike that picks his nose, like or through high school, college, and pro ball, Never once had I, had I been like the best player on a team. Like it just has never happened. And usually that's not the path for big league right. ball players. You're usually, you know, the, the shortstop that hits third and uh, you're the stud. I just was never that guy, but I always loved it. So I always it was okay with doing all the grunt work and all the little things that matter so much along the way. Um, so while I didn't have that one thing, I didn't throw 95 or I didn't hit 500 foot homers. I just did all the little things right and I cared to do so. So that's kind of what's gotten me to this point. It's what got me to the big leagues. And even now doing radio for a living too, it's all those little things. Uh, like I'm, I'm never going to be mistaken for Bob Costas, but <laughs> I could do all these little things right and take pride in what I do. And, and kind of that's been the story of my career. Yeah. Well, you've done a darn good job of that, and you're awesome on the ESPN radio. I love listening to you every day. What? Um, let's talk a little bit about before we dive into baseball and the mental side and all that kind of stuff. Let's 
you, you brought it up, kids' sports. I mean, what do you see today that uh, is different from maybe when you played? Did you, were you a, were you an all year round, you know, again, you know, I have the four boys and us parents, we all talk about all year baseball yeah. or all year soccer yeah. and all the stuff that's going on today's world. When we were kids, it wasn't that way. But it, so what'd you do as a kid? You know what? It's so hard to find balance, right? I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. Now, uh, I played baseball, like I said, all the time. But growing up, I mean, I, I tinkered with other stuff. I played I played a little bit of basketball. I mean, if any anytime there was something, you know, it was a different world, too. When we grew up, everybody just went outside and played. Like, you go right. play football, you go to school, you do all this. You don't see as much of that going on nowadays. But I like to play everything. But baseball was mainly my gig. And I grew up in Las Vegas where... You could play year round, but when I was really young, I didn't. I played regular, you know, little league, and then that was it. And then I was a kid for the rest of the time, you know. Well, once I got to about 12 or 13, I started playing on little traveling teams, uh, but I wasn't a pitcher then. I didn't really pitch. I didn't really pitch until college, which is kind of a crazy thing. I just got lucky. I'm, maybe we'll get into that in a minute, but. Um, so I was never really wearing myself out. One piece of advice, I think. Kids need a break at some point. Like there needs to be some sort of a break. But kids will tell you if they're enjoying what they're doing. Right. Like you'll notice, and maybe sometimes a kid will be like, "Oh no, okay, Dad, yeah, no, I want to do that." You know, though, right? Like you know, if you look in your kid's eye or you see the way that they go out and do something, if you're forcing them into it or they're really enjoying it. Uh, but especially for baseball, if you've got a kid, a young kid that like pitches, year round is too much. I mean, that's just too much of one act activity. And you'll talk to anybody that coaches at a, at a high level or, you know, high school, college, they want well-rounded, rounded athletes. You don't have to in 10th grade because you have, a, or, you know, 10 years old, cause you have a good arm. You're not, you don't have to be a pitcher. And that's not like your, your only, uh, path to wherever you want to go. You could be an athlete. You could be a kid. You can have fun. Let all that stuff figure itself out. But uh, I think that there's got to be some sort of balance. But have a conversation. Talk right. to your kids. And I'm not there yet. My son is three and a half years old. My daughter's only one. So uh, I hope that we go down these paths where my kids have a love for sports li like I do. Uh, and I know it's hard to do. And I know you want to give them the opportunity to get in everything. But make sure they want what they're doing. You know, that's a big thing. Yeah. And I think for you probably, would, and I, think, I guess you would agree with this, my he was 10 at the time last year we were playing in a championship game for my son's team plays on the O'Fallon Predators here yeah. we were playing a, a team and the kid threw 105 pitches at 10 years old 10 years old 10 years old did they take the coach out back and shoot him they should have yeah yeah so we were all talking about that on our coach you know we, we have like a 50 pitch minimum or whatever yes. it may be and and so when you look at that you know you look at the Steven Strasburgs and you know even Michael Waku's had some uh, issues with his arm and yep. And so I think about that as that's because at 10 and 12 and 15, they were throwing 7,500 pitches a game all year long. It's, it is a lot. We're seeing overuse all over the place. And we have to understand, and at some point I hope to coach you know, my, my kids' teams as they grow up, you have to understand it's not just about winning. Like it's not just about, oh, you know, Johnny over here, he's great, he's our best pitcher. You got him, go get him, Johnny. Right. No, it's it's like look, he's a kid, he's got a future. He can only he only got so many bullets in a gun, right. you know. So you you have to watch out for that. There's a fine line between uh helping kids get to where they want to be and abusing kids yeah. as far as you know athletics go. So uh it, it's hard to do, but it's something you have to do. And parents need to step in too. I mean if you're seeing something like that when you know your kid is the kid out there, it's great to have the stud athlete kid, but you have to think about his future too. Right. You know, it's a it's a very difficult thing. What was it like in your house growing up? You know, we my wife and I talk about this a lot with the kids and you know you you want to promote a, a culture of 
just loving the game, yep. but you also want them to learn stuff and you want, you want them to be winners. Um, but you know, what was it like? Was your dad hard on you? Your mom hard on you? Soft? What was it like? Yeah, You know what? They're, uh, the main thing I, I would say is there was so much support. I mean, there was so much. Uh, my dad uh, worked with his hands. I mean, he was gone, you know, early in the morning, come home at night. And every day if I say, hey, dad, you want to play catch? He's like, yeah, let's go. You know, he was, had me out in the backyard. Now, I do think that one of the reasons I got the accuracy that I got was because of his hard days of work. Uh, if it wasn't, if the ball wasn't going to hit him, he would let it go. And then I'd have to go <laughs> jog after it uh, and have to get it. He always, I did the same thing. Yeah, he always yeah. jokes around. He's like, you know, you know, I'm the one that made you hit the strike zone because I wasn't going to go chase your junk you're throwing all over the backyard. Uh, but no, there, there was just so much support. And my dad coached when I was, you know, through Little League and stuff. And there was always a, a focus on winning. But mainly the, the focus was on doing stuff the right way. Because you can lose and you can lose with pride. I mean, you can lose there are good ways to lose. Sometimes you just get beat, right? Sometimes right. you beat yourself. And I think that he just always instilled, not just in baseball, but in life in general, doing things the right way. I mean, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right, right? right. So uh, that was just something my, my dad always instilled. My mom was always really supportive. And, you know, if I ever needed anything for baseball, or for sports, they found a way to make it happen. And that's kind of the way that I want to attack it with my kids. If you show a true passion, a true love for something, then I want to support that. And I want to be there for you. I don't want to be hard on you. I want to be a sounding board and I want to help out where I can. Uh, I think support is the biggest thing. So I know you got uh, drafted by the Cardinals, and like you're what 23 when you made your big league yep. appearance. And so, tell us what's that day like when you get oh that call. Uh, so I was in uh, I was in AAA. Uh, so I got drafted by the Cardinals in 2002. My first year that I actually I had signed late, so I didn't play until 03. Played 03, 04, and then in 2005 I'm in AAA Memphis. And I remember we were playing in Omaha, I believe it was, and we're at the team hotel. And I get a phone call from the manager in the hotel room, and he says, "Hey, Brad, were you uh, were you just down at the hotel bar?" See, yeah, Shafe, I, I I was down there. He's like, "Well, lady, say you didn't pay your bill." I'm like, excuse me, no, no, we paid. Everything's fine. Like I, I promise. He's like. He said, get your butt down here right now. I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay. All right, sounds good. So I get down there, and I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm, I'm so nervous. Like, like, Skip, I would never I would never do that, you know? And uh, he said, hey, you know what? It's fine. You can afford it now. You're going to the big leagues. Oh, and I lost man. it. I, I, was so, uh, I was so excited, so pumped up. And I, I remember right afterwards, I called my parents. You know, that's the first thing. I, right. I, I call... I tell my dad, and he he didn't believe me. Oh. He didn't like he didn't believe. He's, me like, he's like, shut up, man. He's like he's like, come on. I'm like, dude, I'm serious. This is happening. You know, I'm uh, I'm going to the big leagues, and he just had. I'm, I'm like choked up talking about. Right. It. He had nothing. You know, he he didn't uh, he he couldn't couldn't speak. And it was pretty cool. That pretty is, cool moment, man. That so very cool. They uh, they didn't get a chance to make it out for my first outing. My first outing actually was on Mother's Day, 2005. Wow. So mom got to watch yeah. that. You know, but. That moment of jogging in, it was Bush 2. Oh. So it was, uh, it, you know how the place was. It was just surrounded you, you know, big circle. And I remember jogging in, and it's like, holy crap. You know, yeah. there's so many people. And I throw my warm-up pitches, and, and Scott Rowland, you know, they throw the ball around. Scott Rowland's walking up, and he looks at me, and he looks around, like makes a big show out of it. He's like, a lot of people here, huh? <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> and, here you go. Don't yeah, blow it. And right. it was... Uh, it was such a uh, such a great moment, and uh, I was really fortunate too when I did get called up. That uh, I was smart enough to just shut up because it was such a veteran laden team. You know, you got guys oh. like Scott Rowland, Jimmy, uh, 
Jason Isringhausen, Pujols, Mar- Mark Mulder, Morris. I mean, it was just a veteran team, so I just uh, sat in my locker and was quiet the whole time. But what an unbelievable experience. I mean, you think about it, and you know in, in business, man, you, you have a dream. You have a plan. And then to finally see that plan come to fruition and all that hard work, all the stuff that you did, all, all the little things along the way that uh, go into you know reaching your goal – it's special, man. It really is. Yeah, that is special. So tell us about what the mental side of that. So you, you get there, and maybe we can dive more into the – I'm always curious as the, the rookie – well, let's actually go into that now. What? So you're the rookie guy. You're in there. Are you starstruck at this point, or are you around him enough that you you don't – you know you know that's Scott Rowland or Albert Pujols, right? I still, uh, I still remember walking into the clubhouse the first day – and it was like a movie. Like I felt like I was just walking into like major league or, or something yeah. like that. Because as soon as I opened the door, Matt Morris is walking across, Pujols is going the other way. I see Scott Rowland sitting down eating something. I'm like, oh my god! Like this is real. I've made it. This this is happening because I was in big league camp with the with the team in 2005, but I was only there for like two weeks. I mean, I was the the but rookie. You at least got to know him. Yeah, and, I was like the yeah. rookie number 78 that I just yeah. like sat over there and just talked to the other rookies. And like I got to know him a little bit, but not to the point of like, hey, we're teammates at this point. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was surreal and there was still that starstruck moment. That moment goes away really quickly though. When you realize you're on the mountain, you're competing for your life. It's like, well, I don't care who the hell that is on that side. I got to go get that guy out. But, uh, no, it it was great. And, uh, I do believe too, I believe in the hierarchy of stuff. Like, so, uh, I have such a respect for veteran players. I respect for people that have been doing something for a long time and I'm the new guy in. I don't like to come in and act like I own it. I feel like a lot of times we have young kids now try to come in and not just in baseball, but just in life. Like, Hey, I'm here now. I'm the same as you. No, you're not. (laughs) I can't walk in. I'm not the same as Jason Isringhausen. I'm not the same as these guys. So what I always tried to do, and I, I did this throughout my career was try to learn, man. You try to pick the brains of the guys that have been there. You watch the game. You you be a student of it. And I think that's where you end up uh you know, end up getting to that next level. But it's uh it's not an easy game. We all know that. We see we get to watch on TV, you you know, watch Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest and we see the ins and outs of it. You don't see all the disappointment in it. You don't see all the the negative things, but anything in life you get knocked down, if you can get back up, you're all right. Yeah. So that was gonna be one of my questions is when you when you're out there on the mound and it doesn't go as planned, right? And yeah, I've been there, yeah. You just get rocked. So you know, in the business life that happens and yes. so what what advice would you give to the business folks baseball players whatever it may be how do you bounce back that next night when they Tony La Russa calls you in and says you know hey you're throwing again throws you the ball and you gotta you gotta rebound you, you have to have a, a short memory I, th- I think that you learn from failure you learn from negativity but you can't dwell on it you can remember what happened so you can make adjustments going forward uh that's the biggest thing if if i had a a rough game and i had plenty of rough games brent no doubt about it uh but if i knew that i did all the little things that i was supposed to do beforehand if i was getting my workouts in if i was uh, if i was prepared if i watched my video and did all this well then i can tip my cap and say all right you beat me tonight let's do this again tomorrow that's the biggest thing, and that's something that I, I'm so happy throughout my career that I don't have regrets like this, is if I didn't do those things. Like, I, I can live with the results if I knew I put in the work beforehand. Sometimes somebody's just going to be better than me. Uh, so if you did all your work and you failed, okay, well, I'm going to do all that work again and hope for another result. Okay. And that's the biggest thing. But having that short memory, learning from that, taking away any positives you can but not dwelling on the negative. Because if you go out the next game and you're worried about it, you're thinking in your head, oh, crap, man, I just had a bad game. Everybody's watched me. What if I I have two in a row. Well, guess what you're going to do? You're going to have two in a row. Then you have three in a row. Like you have to have a positive frame of mind every time you go out there. 
And, and you know, for the guys like me that are sitting there drinking a beer watching the game, it's easy, right? We say, oh, he got rocked it's last so night. Fun. He's yes. going to do it again, right? Yeah, no, it, it is really funny, too, as I watch games. Now I'm a fan. I, I go to the games. I take my family. And it sure as hell looks a lot easier when I'm sitting in the stands, yeah. a part of 40,000. But uh, you remember what it's like there. It, it's funny going to do the Cardinals do things called, you know, fantasy camps where guys end up, you know, playing with former Cardinals. Right. And it cracks me up watching somebody pitch. And they're throwing the ball all over the place. I'm like, hey, how many times have you been to a Cardinal game and you yelled, throw a strike? Right, exactly. Don't ever do it again. It's not that easy, yeah. right? Izzy told me a funny story one time. He said uh, there was a guy mouthing off. And you've been to the fantasy yeah, camps and done the pitching. And guys were mouthing off. And I guess he just drilled a guy in the arm. Just because you, know, you yes. guys have that much command. And yep. he said the guy... Didn't say another word the rest of the camp. That's the easy way to shut him up. And <laughs> right. AZ still throws like 90. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it, uh, it's fun like that. But it is amazing when you're removed from it for a long time. And this is anything. This is like if I went and picked up a basketball and started shooting hoops right now or trying to drive the lane on somebody. It's not like I remembered it when I was younger. I'm like, oh, that was easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, play, playing these games is hard. I have a, a big time respect for anybody that can do that. Yeah, so we talked earlier before we started recording about, you know, getting to college and then the minors and then to the big leagues and – once you're there, people have told me that that's the hardest part, right, is to stay there. Yes. So what was your routine like? And I want to focus on that process because, again, sports and business, are, they correlate so much. What could you share with our listeners that helped them get ready for that big meeting, right? What was that process? What was your off-season like? The, the, I always had my, my off-season to me was – that was the building block for the entire year because it, it, throughout a baseball season – uh, it, it's very hard. You can't just uh, lift like a madman. You can't do put all this work in. You maintain throughout the season, but all the hard work is done beforehand. So I took that really seriously. I, I lived out in Las Vegas. I had a personal trainer there and somebody that was just accountability. It, it was uh, he was going to be there at six a.m. I was going to be there at six a.m. We were going to work our butts off uh, and get it done. It was sports specific stuff, stuff that I knew I needed. I, I could go to the gym down the street and do bench press. I don't need to do bench press. I don't need to do stuff like that. Uh, so the the preparation to me, it means a lot. You can't go through the motions. I don't care if you're in baseball doing workouts. I don't care if you're in business. You know when you're cheating yourself, right? You know when you're just doing something that's just eyewash. You're doing it just to do it. You better put everything you've got into it. And that's how I took the off season. I took it as training. Sure, you're going to hang out with your family. You're going to hang out with your friends. But when it comes to getting your work in, you do it because like we were just talking about a second ago, guess what? If you're not doing that, there's somebody right behind you that is going to do it. Maybe it's a young executive coming to take your job. Maybe it's another pitcher that actually throws 97 and has got some good stuff behind me. I got to make sure I'm doing all these things because it comes back to not having any regrets. I don't want to ever be done with something and say, man, if I would have just done this, I could have been that. And uh, that was the biggest thing for me. I never wanted to have that. And, and fortunately, I look back on my career now, while you can look at the back of my baseball card and say, hmm, that's not great. Uh, I have no regrets about it. You know, I played as long as I, uh, as, as long as my body would let me play, uh, bounced around for quite some time, but I did everything, you know, the, the right way. One thing I, I'd like to say about routines too is uh, I heard this and I don't know where I picked it up, but I love it. It's rule your routine. Don't let your routine rule you. A lot of times in baseball, it, you have guys, you know, it's nice to have a routine. And I would have a routine when I get to the ballpark. I'd get there, I'd change, I'd ride the bike, I, I'd do some my arm exercise, I'd get my food. And you have this routine, you're used to doing it. But what if something happens? You know, what if you are heading to a meeting and you get a flat tire and you had all these things that you wanted to do beforehand and now you didn't get to do A before you uh, are headed to do B? 
you can't worry about that. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to adjust. So don't let your routine rule you. That's a big one. And so you sounds like you're a big routine guy. So game day is a big deal for yep. you. And, and what's that five days like mentally getting prepared? You know, when you're in the starting rotation and you pitch, five days later you pitch again. What's that like? There's a lot of work in between. And a lot of people think, uh, you know, uh, being a starting pitcher in the big leagues is country club. What well, is for right. some guys? You know, you're able to do that. Greg Maddox could just go right. out there and pitch and then golf four days in a row. Uh, but there's so much work uh, that goes in. And for me, uh, I – was always an observer, right? I like I like to watch other people go to work. Chris Carpenter is one of the best I've ever seen do it. And the impressive part always was game day, right? That was always great to see. We all got a chance to watch how great he was. The unbelievable part to me was the next four days, how much work he put in, all, all the lifting, all the running, all the getting your body prepared. Once again, that routine to get ready to perform uh, the days in between. So I took that stuff seriously, watching guys like him, wanting to work like that. Um, it, it's big. It's it's all about building the base. But the, the hard part is when it comes to that mental side again, like we were just talking about, if you have a bad outing, well, you have that one bad outing. Now you have four days as a starting pitcher to think about that bad outing. You could either dwell on that or you can try to put that behind you. Maybe you're going to go back and watch a little video, see where you failed and see why you failed and, and see if you can make adjustments that way. Or I and I've had times in this. I, I've battled the mental side of baseball for sure. I've had two bad starts in a row, and before the third one, the four days leading up, it's like, oh god, here we go again. Here right. we go again. Well, if you have that, guess what's going to happen the third time? Just like we talked about, you're going to have another bad outing. So if you can have that positivity, sometimes you almost have to fool yourself. Right. Like you have to like j- just talk yourself into being positive about something. But if you can do that, if you can come into something with a positive attitude, a clean slate, uh, you, you're going to be much better off yeah. for it. Yeah, Erin Shannon, uh, Mike Shannon's daughter, was on She's the podcast great. earlier in the week, and that's what she was saying is just literally before you even get out of bed, you've got to mentally get yourself yes. in a state. And I'm assuming you have to do that. You know, I have to do that in business, and other leaders do as well. So sounds like we're talking the same thing. What? Uh, where did you find your inspiration, your motivation, whatever you want to call it? Where did you find that during the offseason, even when you're in the big leagues, to stay there? Was it just for the love of the game, or where did you find that inspiration? I, it's a little bit of everything. We come, you know, it's support from family. It's love of the game because I love playing. And honestly, um, you know, for me, baseball was. I didn't grow up. I grew up as every little kid thinking, oh, you know, I want to be a major league baseball player. You would never see my career path and say, oh, that's where he's going. It, right. it, it's going to happen. So that wasn't necessarily, you know, what I always believed I was going to be. Uh, but I, I think that it, it comes down to also. Uh, there was always a little bit of, I don't know, I, I guess there's not a better word for it. There was always that fear, that fear that somebody was behind me, that somebody was going to take my job, that I was never good enough to not put this work in. I couldn't just throw my hat out there. It's funny, um, not to say this guy didn't work because he absolutely did, but I got a chance being in Vegas to talk to a guy like Greg Maddox. And I say, Greg, man, what, like, what's your offseason look like? When do you start throwing and stuff like that? He's like, ah, you know, I might pick up a ball, you know, play catch with my son in the front yard. I'm like, what? What do you yeah, mean play catch with your son? Ever, right? Yeah, but, but he, uh, he got to that point in his career where he could use spring training as a platform to get ready for the season. I always had to be ready in spring training to earn a job. I was always the 25th man on the roster. It was always like a last-day decision. Uh, so to, 
to me, it was always that fear. It was always that, that knowledge that somebody's behind me. I know this is a numbers game, and I want to make sure I do everything to have those numbers. And it comes back to, again, uh, I don't want to regret. I don't want to think, man, if I just hadn't gone out with my buddy for that week straight, if I hadn't gone on vacation that one time, um, that, that I could have been that guy. I could have right. been on that team. And my career, I, I had plenty of uh, rejection, plenty of failures. I, I've been sent down plenty of times, but I always think about all the times I got back. Because you see a lot of guys get sent down to the minor leagues throughout the season. And this is, is business, too. You can have a bad meeting or you can have something fall through. And you can hang your head and you can lose yourself for weeks on end. Or you can get right back to work. And you can get right back to where you want to get to. And that's hard to do. It's hard mentally to be on top of the mountain and then be back down it. we got to climb back up the mountain. Yeah. Being mentally tough uh, after failure is big. So we talk a lot about fear. A lot of successful people have come on the show, or just even in my years of experience talking to people, fear drives a lot of us. But yeah. When I look back on my career, 16 years of doing this and your career, how many of those fears actually came true? Oh, the failure thing, uh, quite a few times. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? But I, but I think the point is that you, you know, we put these things in our mind yes. like it's we're going to fail, never All be able these to monsters, do it again. Right. Right? These uh, monsters, right? These monsters. How many of those came true? No, it, it really doesn't. It it, uh, it doesn't work out that way. It might be some sort of a motivator for you, but uh, if we all just got knocked down every time we failed and never got back up, well, none of us would do anything at all. I mean, that that is part of life. That's part of growing. I, I've learned more from failure than I've learned from success. I mean, that, that's just kind of part of it and part of growing it. And that's now on the radio. That's now as a father. Like, well, we're going to mess things up every once in a while. So what do we do? We're, we're going to learn from them. So uh, you can't dwell on that fear. You can use that fear as a motivator. But realize if one of those fears happens, if something does happen in your life, well, guess what? You're going to get through that too, and you're going to move on to the next thing. Yep. So when you hear the word vision, what uh, what comes to mind? Uh, for for me, it's a it's something that you truly want, something that you have your heart, your mind, your your goals set on, and that is the vision that you had. Just that when I was a you know five year old kid, I had a vision that I wanted to be a big league ball player. Maybe that could be a pipe dream, or, or and maybe right. vision and pipe dream are, are close to each Mine other. Mine was but a pipe dream, yours yeah. was reality. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's uh, to me, it's something that I set my sights on. It's something that I, I want to have, and I realize that whatever visions they may be, there's a process. There's a process to get to that vision. It's not just A goes right to B, but if you want that vision enough, you're going to be able to get to it. Were you were you a guy that wrote down your goals and dreams and aspirations and all that stuff? I, I mean, wasn't. Okay. No, I was never that guy. I always had stuff, but I would usually keep stuff very close to the vest, things yeah. that I wanted. Um, you know, anybody listening to this that had a chance to see me pitch, uh, probably thinking, oh man, you're crazy. But I had, uh, you know, aspirations of, hey, I want to be an all-star. I want to be, you know, I, want, I want to do stuff like that. Now it didn't work out for me, but it's still a driving uh, force, you know, but so it never had to be written down. But stuff to me was always, uh, I always had it up there. Oh yes, time, man. Yeah. There's always, so that, that's the biggest thing. Even if you are uh, at the top of the mountain, even if you are a, a guy, you know, Adam Wayne right here with the Cardinals, Yadier Molina, guess what they're trying to do every day? They're trying to get better. So you, you can't ever get uh, be satisfied. Don't be satisfied with where you're at because you know you can always grow. And maybe that comes from just opening your ears and trying to learn a little bit more. Or maybe it comes from uh, maybe there's something else I can work on to tweak myself. Maybe it's your attitude. But there's always something you can do better. You always got to look for those things. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that's really important. What did you do to get yourself mentally prepared? And, and you know, I look back in sports the last few years. One of my favorite 
pieces, and you probably are going to know what I'm talking about, was uh, is at the Olympics, this past Olympics, Michael Phelps. Locked sitting, in. Yeah, locked in, right? Yes. He's sitting in the chair. He's got his headphones on. His face just looks like, I'm going to just destroy yes. you. And the guy's in front of him doing the boxing, <laughs> right? All that stuff. And he doesn't budge. Yep. Right? I love that. And uh, in fact, I am a big writer downer of goals. And in my business plan, I have a picture of him beating that guy in my business plan I, I look at every day. Yeah. So I love that stuff. What did you do to mentally get prepared for the, the big game? The big moment, you're in the bullpen or you're starting. Tony makes the call, taps the right hand. Brad Thompson, you're coming in. Let's go. Yeah, it's, it's different between like starters and relievers. Starters, you know what day you're getting in. And it's funny you talk about Michael Phelps uh, because that was always one of mine. Like I had my routine leading up to a start, and then I would just have the music in. And I would be blasting metal, and I thought I was the toughest man alive before <laughs> I walked out there. Like uh, it, It's funny seeing me. And then if you could get inside my body when I was actually pitching, you thought I was just an animal. Like I just uh, so locked in and – uh, maybe th- there was almost a, I don't want to say a hate, but there was some sort of hate. Like there was right. some, something different. And damn it, if there's something I miss from sports, it's that. It's that like just transforming into something else when I'm competing because uh, that was real. I don't know, there was some sort of rage in there that right. I, I got out. Uh, but uh, out, out in the bullpen, you always kind of know what your routine is going to be like. You know what your what games you usually get in. So you start focusing when you see the game trend that way. And I haven't been able to replicate this in anything I do in life. And I love doing the radio stuff. The TV is a lot of fun. But there is nothing like a phone ringing and a bunch of grown men jump up excited. Like, there is nothing oh. like that. that. That adrenaline rush that you get saying, you're about to go into a Major League Baseball game and compete. I still miss that a yeah. lot. But you always, you just got to be ready for it. And you got to want it. There has to be a yearning for that phone to ring and your name to come out. If the phone rings and you're thinking, please be him, please be him, please be him, you're probably <laughs> right. in a bad spot. Not a good yes, choice. Yes, no. Right? Yeah, so, so that was, I mean, so talk us, walk us through that. So you get that call. The guy opens a gate for you, and now you're walking out. Crowds, and I'm you know in that crowd. I'm yeah. going crazy. It's yeah. Tell it, me about it could that. it could be a, it could be a nice crowd. It could be a mean crowd right. on the road. I remember pitching in Philadelphia, my first ever road game ever, and I stepped out from under the tunnel, like uh, under the little awning, to throw yeah. my warm up pitches. I was just getting worn out by people. Believe it or not, people in Philly at times at the game there was a beer garden there too. Oh yeah, weren't the nicest ever. But wasn't that where uh, was it rolling or somebody got batteries thrown at him? Or Probably. Something? Yeah, they yeah. love batteries. They uh, I think they hit Santa Claus with stuff in Philly too. Uh. So <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really funny too. Just just quick side story: the bullpens in in Philadelphia. It's a two-tier bullpen, and when they first built the place, the Phillies were on top. It's like a better bird's-eye view. You can see the ballpark you know, quite a bit better. But they had to change it because the fans were wearing their own pitchers out so much that they had to switch and put the yeah. visitors up, up top. Yeah. Uh, but but that, uh, that jog in from the bullpen is uh, kind of surreal at times. But one of the things that I learned about that, I learned about getting ready for the game is – it doesn't matter what the heck I just did in the bullpen. It doesn't matter if I threw five balls that went over the catcher. It doesn't matter if I was spotting up my fastball and I had a good breaking ball. It matters about what I execute next. Right. Like it's, it's, about, it's always about thinking forward, thinking about your next pitch and making adjustments as you go. There are sometimes as a pitcher where you have it all and you're out on the mound. I've got the fastball I can dot on both sides. I've got a breaking ball I can throw wherever. I can throw my change up in any count and I feel great. I'm on top of the world. Now, those days are usually pretty good. 
There are other days where you don't have anything and you have to make stuff up as you go, but your mindset better be the same. Your mindset better be, I'm competing here, not, oh, please don't let this happen. Your mindset better be, okay, here we go. This is what I got. Let's see what you got. So it's kind of like the day, you know, when you're going into a business meeting and you know, you're going to get that new client or you know, you're going to make it happen. And sometimes you feel like you'd set up on the interstate out there and say, I'll give it away for free and nobody takes it. Right? <laughs> it, it happens. Are you just going to quit? You know, are, are you, you done after that? Are you going to come back yeah. again and, and find a new client and, and figure out maybe what went wrong that time? You know, yeah. it just happens. Sometimes we have bad days, you know, it doesn't mean we're, we're bad at what we do. Right. What, what risk are you glad that you took when you look back at your career? Wow. That is, uh, I feel like every, every year was a risk. Every time I went out there, it was a risk. Uh, you know what? I, I'm glad that I just uh, pursued it. You know what? One risk that I'm really glad that I took, and obviously a career path w- would tell you that too. First of all, when I, I told you I didn't pitch until college, well, I, I got seen pitching in Legion ball. So it's like summer ball for after high school. Yeah. It was my senior year. I was playing in Legion. I got seen by a little junior college um, in St. George, Utah, right outside of Las Vegas. And about a week before school was started, I was going to walk on to the community college in Southern Nevada. About a week before school started, they asked me, say, hey, we had somebody drop out of a scholarship. We had an opportunity to see you pitch. Would you be interested? Week before school started, you know, moving towns like, yeah, what the heck? I'm in, you know, so we we took that risk and obviously took had the scholarship for school. But financially, you know, my parents, uh, you know, were out there quite a bit, you know, putting me up and, and stuff like that at school, took that risk. Uh, and another one, even before Pro Bowl started, was after my second year at Dixie State College, St. George, Utah, and I was a pitcher now. I wasn't doing anything else. I got DH4, by the way, in high school as a third baseman. That's a side story, <laughs> but it tells you about right. my, the right. arc isn't exactly what it uh, normally is. Uh, but I had signed with UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, yeah. to play baseball there for my junior, senior year. And I ended up getting drafted by the Cardinals that summer, that draft. And I was hemming and hawing over it. I didn't know what to do. I knew I wanted to play baseball still, but I also knew I wanted to continue my education. I was looking to get into criminal justice and uh, was seeing, you know, they had a good program there. I liked that direction, but I also knew that I might not have an opportunity to do this again. Like you just never know what's going to happen with pro baseball. And I remember getting a phone call from the coach at UNLV because he knew I'd been drafted. Obviously I was thinking about what I was going to do. And he told me, he's like, if you end up going to the Cardinals, that'll be the worst decision you make in your life. Wow. And I'm like, man. I'm, Just what right. you wanted to hear. Yeah. I'm like, okay, all right, thanks, coach. Appreciate that. I'll, I'll get back to you. And uh, a couple weeks later, you know, talking to my parents and, and – just kind of going through it, it, it was a risk that I was wanting to take. It, it was something that I could always go back to school. And, and that was kind of part of the deal, too, when, when you sign as a younger kid, when you still have school remaining. The teams will off, often throw in your last couple of years of college, you know. Like, man, I can always do that. I can always go back to school if I want to. I can't always go back to playing pro ball. So it was, uh, it was a risk, but it was one that I wanted to chase them. You talk about that vision, right? Well, you only have so many times to chase that vision. You only have so many opportunities to be ready. So that was one yeah. that was one that I really wanted to chase. Well, that's a good risk. Glad you took it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. It worked out well. Wouldn't be here if I didn't. Absolutely. What uh, would you say you're surprised by your success, or did you envision it? Oh, you know what? I I think that uh, I would say surprised. Honestly, it, not because I didn't put in the work, just because I I know how hard it is. I, I know how. Um, Getting to the big league level in baseball, I know how difficult it is. I know how talented those guys are. So once I got there, 
I can I, I believe that I was on that level and I wanted to keep trending that way. But there was a surprise. You know, I I, I envisioned it like like we talk about dreamed about. Mm -hmm. But uh, looking back at it now, it's more of a surprise. You know, it, it's uh, and it's a great surprise. It's OK to be surprised every once in a while. Well, it's got to be a very humbling deal, too. I mean, as, as an athlete, you know, we, we grow up dreaming of that stuff. Sure. And and, you know, I get to dream it. You get to do it. And then you also get to bring home the ring. That was I mean, pretty how fun. Cool is that? that was pretty fun. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that in a second. But what, what's your purpose now, Brad? What do you what do you look at the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life, however long God's willing to let us be out here? What's your purpose? You know what? Uh my my purpose is is I know we've talked a lot about business. My purpose is my family. Like I, I love this change in my life. I love the fact that now I, you know, I've been married eight years. I got a three and a half year old son. I got a one year old daughter. And my purpose is to be the best dad that I could possibly be. And uh, I love that aspect of it. Uh, now, we all know that part of that job is being a provider yeah. in, in the meantime, too. So I've been very fortunate with my career in baseball to have that transition into a new career. And I love doing radio stuff. I work for 101 ESPN, co-host a show with some great guys, Randy Carricker, Chris Ranji. We, we've had a lot of fun, and I love doing that. Love doing the TV stuff for Fox Sports Midwest, and to me, it's I don't have this one like one goal in mind. It's like oh, career wise, I want to do that. You know, uh, I just want to keep getting better at what I do and see what comes next. I, my career in, in baseball, my career in radio so far has been a series of opportunities and a series of opportunities that I've been ready for. I'm sure that you know somebody listening to this might think, man, I had a chance to do this one time, but I wasn't ready. When it was the radio gig, I got a phone call one day saying, hey, could you fill in? Chris Duncan, pass along my uh, information, say, hey, Brad might be good at this. Give him a call, you know, to fill in for a day. And I could have just walked in there as like Joe Schmo, former athlete, and said, oh, yeah, I got this. Fine, yeah. sports, that's easy. I came in with like copious notes, and I was like, you know, all locked in. It was NFL stuff. I, I was ready to go. And one segment in, they called me out of the hall and said, hey, can you stay for the rest of the week? I stay for the rest of the week. I end up staying for the rest of the off season. Uh, always be ready for an opportunity. Yeah. You just never know when that might come along. But well, my, to your point too, so, so many people want the timing to be perfect, right? Yes. In business and sports, whatever it may be, the timing is never perfect. No, no, you always, you just always have to be ready. You don't have to be one hundred percent prepared when something comes up, but be ready for the opportunity. Don't let them pass you by. If you see something that is along the right tracks for you, and it's something that you you think that you're interested in. Well, go for it. You know, if you get a chance, you never know what might come of it. Right. I think it's belief in yourself. And, you know, we talked about in the circuit of success, we talk about attitude. We yes. talked a lot about that, but belief as well. And I think belief in self is one of those is you knew the Brad Thompson well enough that if they call you to do the radio, you go do it. Yes. And then you just got to put in the work. Yep. The days it, or. I'll say this. Know. I'll say right now, Brad, it, it was uncomfortable. Like I, it was uncomfortable. I'm not used to, I, I was kind of a shy person, you know, and getting and talking on the radio, public speaking still scares me to death. Even right. though like once I get out there, I'm good to go. But sometimes you have to put yourself out there. Sometimes you have to take a little risk. Uh, I, I still find uh, I'm 35 years old now. I still surprise myself sometimes like different stuff that I'm able to do. Maybe, maybe it's an event that somebody asked me to do. And I'm like, oh, I'm really uncomfortable with that. And then I do it. I'm like, okay, yeah. we, we can do this stuff. Like we can still surprise ourselves. There's yeah more in there if you're not afraid to tap into it my uh my friends a little bit of a humble pie here my my old high school and grade school friends would know this and would probably laugh if they hear this if they're listening is i used to throw up literally before like baseball games and 
like anything is all about having a routine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I would just get sick. I was always so nervous. And then when I started public speaking, I would get sick. And, and so now you've started to grow, but I had to put myself in those uncomfortable situations to get past my comfort zone face the fear and just do it anyway. Yes. Well, and you know, there are so many people that have been in that situation that have gotten sick like that and said, never again, right. not going to do it. And, and if that happened to you and that worked out for you, that's fine. But know that you can always come back to it. You can always work through some things because it's all about reps. The more you do something, the better you're going to get at it, the more comfortable you're going to feel. And I always tell people too, if, if you don't have, if you're getting into something and you're doing something, whether it's your big business meeting or it's pitching in the big leagues, to me, if you don't have some sort of a feeling, some sort of a, a butterfly type feeling in your stomach, some sort of like a, a nervous energy, I don't know if you care enough. Like, I don't know if, if it's that big to you. I, I have it before I get on the radio every day. I had a nervous energy coming into here yeah. doing a podcast. Like, I care about what I'm doing. I want to do great at it. I, I think that's okay to be a little bit nervous. Just don't get paralysis from fear. Yeah. I'm just glad I wasn't the only one nervous. No, I threw up in the lobby. <laughs> Is that what they were cleaning yeah, up? They, yeah. yeah, that's my that's bad on that. Send yeah, me the that's bill. That's all right. Yeah. We'll, we'll take care of it. So. So uh, October 27th, 2006, where were you at that night? Do you remember? Well, October 27th, that sounds like that may, might be Bush Stadium. Maybe. Might be Game 5 of the 2006 World Series. Yes. That might be the night that I wish uh, that uh, the Guinness World Records were there because it was the fastest sprint I ever did in my life. Or the <laughs> NFL Combine uh, was there, you seeing my 40 it. speed. Yeah, because that was uh, the fastest sprint ever from the bullpen into the mound. What, what an incredible night. Oh, so that was pretty cool. My uh, my wife and I got married on October 27th of 2001 and so our fifth Happy anniversary, anniversary. <laughs> thank you was that night. Unbelievable. October 27th uh, 2011 was game 6 when uh, Freeze did his deal. So we're lucky for the Cardinals. Yeah, you're doing that's all right. All about us, right? But uh, so walk us through that night. What what's that like? I mean, for those of us who have never done that, Probably everybody listening to this. Tell us about it. You talk about nervous energy. Being there in game five and knowing this could be it. Like we, we have a sizable lead on, on the Tigers who everybody came into that series. I, I still remember USA Today saying the Tigers were going to win the series in three games. <laughs> or anybody that's right. familiar with a seven-game Not series. Possible. yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but, but that's how much of an advantage everybody thought they had. And the Cardinals in 2006 – we uh, really sputtered down the stretch. We had a team that was just full of injuries. Albert was hurt. Eckstein was hurt. Jimmy was dealing with stuff. Scott was dealing with stuff. I mean, we had so many guys that were banged up. It was 83 wins that year, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. the lowest ever to yeah, win a World just, Series. Just kind of crept in there. But then you look, you know, game one of the postseason, and everybody's healthy. All those names are in the lineup. And all of a sudden, this team had a bit of swagger around them. And this team was ready to build and do something special. And we did. You know, it's... Uh, Everybody does that as a little kid, whether you're an NBA fan or you're a football fan, you're a baseball fan, you're in the backyard saying, I'm going to win the World Series. Oh, it's game seven and I'm, I'm going to hit. To be in that situation, to feel the crowd, to run in and uh, celebrate with a bunch of guys. Everybody has their goals, right? In the beginning of the season, you have individual goals, you have team goals, and your team goals are win enough games to get yourself in the postseason. And if you're in the postseason, go win a championship to see those goals come to fruition and, and then to celebrate, there's nothing like it. There's really nothing like success at, right. at the highest level. 
I'm assuming that's out of body. I mean, is it? Yes, just, yes. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not fast, but that was a quick sprint. Quick. No, it really is. It, it, you, like you just don't even you don't even feel it. Like out of you, body for like a three, four, five days. Yes, yeah. yeah, big time. It, it's uh, still looking back at the memories. It's a blur. Like it, it really is, and it's not a, a blur because uh, you know I was just hammered drunk the entire time. No, it was right. a blur because <laughs> it was so surreal. It, it was so uh, it was so amazing. It, it was so fun, and there's nothing like that again no. so the the next goal is next thing in life what what can we conquer next i don't know if it's going to live up to winning the world series right. uh but whatever it is it's going to be great well, knowing you were coming in i watched some of the highlights from that world series and just looking back i mean it's i get fired up as a fan yes. so i can't imagine being there so so that happens you got your on-field celebration you go cameras are running everywhere but you get to go into the locker room with just the team if i'm not mistaken for a while right yeah. there's no reporters nothing no you you What's get to like? do uh you get to do a little bit of your celebrating and once again to to me that one is we worked so hard this was such a long year there are so many ups and downs you mentioned the 83 wins but we did it you know and there there's that uh there's that just team vibe there there's that cohesiveness of a group that wins a championship I know that you don't have to be best friends like to succeed like in a, in a group of people, but you sure do need to care for each other. I think you have to like legitimately care what happens uh, among one another, and that team did. And you could tell, you you could feel it in the moment. Obviously, you could see it throughout the support that that group had. So to have that defining moment to win the World Series, I, I remember taking the picture in the clubhouse. Yeah. You know, of everybody doing it's a their famous thing. picture. We just got to reenact that. By yeah. the way, ten year reunion. We had everybody for the most part in there reenacting that one. It's just a special, special moment. Another moment I'll never forget during that celebration after it was just the team was my parents coming in and, and being a part of it. My mom, like, I don't think she had ever drank a beer, and I gave her a, a Budweiser, <laughs> and she had a, had a swig of it. Like, it was just a, a special moment to get to share with the ones you love. Yeah, that's special. So what time did you shut it down that night? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it, I do not know. Yeah, it, was, it, was good, it was a good week. Right. Yeah, we had a good week. I think the night went to Shannon's, if I'm not mistaken, afterwards. everybody, A lot of people did, I all, think. Yeah, that, that place, it went all over the place. Shannon's, Lafayette's. I mean, there were so many, so many yeah. different places, so much celebration, so much excitement, man. We are... Uh, anybody listening to this knows that uh, Cardinal fans are unbelievable. And everybody's excited about a World Series. But I don't think it's like this. I know it's not like this everywhere. I got a chance to play in different places. It's uh, the, the celebration never stops. The love for the team never stops. And really, you do get the best out of the guys here. It's unbelievable. Right. So anything you'd like to close with? I've got one question. I'm going to put, yes. put you on the spot, I think, here in a little oh. bit. Maybe we'll either de de confirm or deny, but you do it on the air, so I figure you, you're going to do it here. Give up a home run? Oh, look at Self-deprecating? No. <laughs> I, I also – well, do you want to bring your friend in that's out here that we're also going to interview just for, like, a couple questions? Who do we got? Uh, la ladies and gentlemen, Albert Pujols is here. Albert, how you doing today? Brad, Brad, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good, man. How are you doing, Albert? Oh, it's good, and uh, you know, I I don't know Brad was gonna be here if, if Brad Kang, you know, I I would no come. Oh, but it's good. No, it's good to see you, Brad. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, you know, uh, success for me, you know, starts with you know home run. You know, I hit a lot of home run, a lot of RBI, a lot of money. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> I had to ask. He's you, gonna man. kill me. No, he's he gonna kill me. No, Didi's gonna kill me. Right. At some point. Well, good news is they probably won't listen. To this. And uh, maybe they will. They might. You never know. The angles. They, oh, play for the angles. The angles. The Anaheim. Yeah. It's good. 
I love that, man. That is awesome. So in closing, my friend, what would you, uh, what would you tell the Brad Thompson of, uh, you know, the 18 year old Brad Thompson? What would you tell that kid? I would tell that kid, be ready for any opportunity and be ready to pounce on it. The, the last thing you want to do is see an opportunity pass you by and guess what you're going to do at some point, you're going to fail. That doesn't mean you're a failure. That means you failed at that. You, you can bounce back, you can succeed. And it's all about belief. You talk about that attitude. Have a good one every single day, and you're going to be all right. Absolutely. Where can our listeners find more Brad Thompson? Obviously, you're on ESPN and all that stuff, but you a social media guy? Yeah, I'm on there a little bit. I do the Twitter. I'm at bthompson48. Obviously, you can uh, tune into the radio show when you're not listening to this podcast. We're on uh, 101 ESPN, uh, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday. And hopefully you can catch me on some Fox Sports pre and post game this year. But I appreciate, Brett, you having me. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. I appreciate you being here, man. It's great seeing you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 